Hey everyone, I'm Clayton Michaud and welcome to Improv Town. In today's episode, I interview Mark Merritt, musical director at the Mopco Improv Theater in Schenectady, New York. We talk about all things musical improv, from short-form musical improv to long-form narrative musical improv, and transitioning from short to long-form musical improv. We talk about different musical forms, what to do if you don't have an accompanist, uh, and for musicians, how you can train to become an improv accompanist. As always, if you like the episode, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And now on to the interview. I've been playing music since I was... I, I The way... I, I, I say four. I think that's when I started. God, these hiccups. You're going to forgive me for that, right? They're very musical. Yeah, the hiccups. It's, it's good. Um, I was, uh, would doodle on my grandparents' pianos. Both my sets of grandparents had pianos at their homes. And when we would visit, I would, I would doodle on them. And some people in the households knew a, a little bit, so they would show me a little bit. And, and I took to it really well, really quickly, and started just kind of doing my own thing. And uh, we got a piano... Excuse me. We got. A, we got a. Oh my God! I better shut that off. Oh, I should check my. Um, I we we got a piano. Uh, my parents got one when I was five, and um, I didn't start lessons until I was like seven. Um, and I already knew like more than what the 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 teacher I started with wanted to teach me so that didn't last long um and I went through like four teachers between like sixth grade and and between sec like second grade and sixth grade on and off on and off and I was always learning more on my own than I was in lessons these days I kind of regret that I didn't pay attention more or practice more some of the things that I thought were not fun uh, because, oh, no, I'll have more fun if I do this on my own. And I did have more fun, and I did learn stuff. Um, but I, I regret not working some of the technique stuff uh, that I know would have made me a better musician now. Like what sort of stuff? Oh, like my left hand isn't nearly as good at, at um, playing as my right hand is. Um, uh, neither hand, including my right hand, I there there I, I can't do a lot of very intricate uh, s stuff. Uh, I, I mean, with enough practice on something specific, I could could, uh, but I but because uh, it improvisationally no, improvisationally if I do anything that sounds intricate, I'm faking it something you've done before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a, a, lo a lot of what I do uh, as a musician, some people would describe as, as faking it. But like faking it in a good way. You know, there's like uh, fake books, right, that, that, that are filled with what we call lead sheets that have just the melody and the names of the chords and the words of a song. And it's nowhere near enough to tell e everyone what to play on a musical instrument. But like, the point is that if you're a musician who knows what to do with it, you fake it. That's why they call it a fake book. But that's not really, there's nothing fake about it. It's real. And it's improvisational and it's organic. And 
and it requires certain skills that are that are cool to have. Uh, so I, I love to play with fake books, and and most of what I play when I'm playing on my own is kind of as if I'm playing with a fake book. I just you know make up arrangements as as I go. I kind of like that every time I play a song, even a familiar one, that it's you know it's a little different every time. So how did you end up getting uh, involved in in improv comedy in the improv scene? Well, there were uh, there were a few false starts. I did a, a little bit of it in high school drama club when we would do just warm ups or something, um, and we got exposed to comedy sports yeah. uh, at a at a festival that we went to, uh, International Thespian Society Festival. And some of us were really keen on that and wanted to do some more of that, but it never really stuck. I used to, I acted a lot in high school. And so I was involved in it from, from that angle, not musically. And when I was in college, I, uh, the improv group was holding auditions and I auditioned and I didn't get it. I, <laughs> I gave a terrible audition. So there were some early false starts. And then, and then a, a while back, a friend of mine from college, his wife, who was self-employed, this is a weird story how I got in, into into it for real now is that she decided to celebrate her fifth anniversary of being in business by putting on a variety benefit show <laughs> and inviting talented performers that she knew to come be in the show. So I was uh, one of the people she invited uh, to come uh, play some of my own songs and she asked me if I had accompany some of the other singers who needed someone to play for them. And she also knew Kat Coppett of the Mop and Bucket Company because Kat and uh, my friend Lisa Druzzi, uh, wife of my college friend Bill Druzzi, uh, Lisa and Kat were in a, a, a New York Capital Region women's uh, consultants networking group together. So Lisa knew Kat and Mop and Bucket Company and said, hey, come do some improv in my show. So um, there was a small contingent from the Mop and Bucket Company there, and we were on the same bill for this variety show. And afterward, Kat said, "Oh my God, we we need you got to come play with us." I was like, "Oh, okay, all right. Well, let me know." And half a year later, <laughs> they invited me to come see a show they were doing, um, the full length musical. Uh, format that we do, Spontaneous Broadway. They were doing a run of it, so they invited me to come see it just to see what they do. It was really cool. And it took until a year and a half after that before they had, an, I think, another run of that and said, hey, why don't you actually come and, and, and try rehearsing with us and we'll see what happens. And that was that was fall of 2010. And, and, I've, and so the first thing I did as part of this improv theater group, it was all, it was music that got me in and not acting after right. all. And the first thing I got thrown into was rehearsal for our hardest format, the full length, uh, improvised musical. Uh, <laughs> and that's what we did. And so I've been with them ever since then. Cool. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about, let's start by talking about short form. Yeah. Musical improv. Yeah. So say, uh, Say a group came to you and they some short form group and they wanted to start doing musical improv but they had never done it or anything. Right. What advice would you have for them? What are the things that you would that you would teach them? I would start off by teaching them mainly 
uh, a, a bunch of games. There are a lot of really good musical improv games that are that are easy to learn, fun to play, very collaborative, not just between the performers and the company and the accompanist, but uh, with that would that would include multiple performers working together, which is it's it's fun and it's creative and you're connecting with people and far less pressure is on any individual to like make up a whole song. So I think that's a really great place to start. In fact, with, um, with Mopco, sometimes we'll do like, uh, a, an improv jam or a free music class where we do just these kinds of simple games that don't require a lot of teaching and don't require a lot of really hardcore skill development to be able to like, do them passably and have a good time. I think that's a really fantastic place to start. And a lot of those games, most of them are things that you can play in front of an audience. So I think, you know, boom, you, you do this, you have fun and you've, you've got something that you can do in a show. So what are, what are some of those forms or yeah, uh, that you would uh, uh, Some of those, in fact, here, I have my list of, of my agenda for the single session improv musical jam. So uh, some of the things on here um, are a word at a time song cool. where people are just taking turns singing a word and that you can turn into a line at a time song where people are taking turns singing a line. You can turn that into a tag team song where who knows how long or short anyone will sing until someone taps them on the shoulder and tags them out and they pick up right where the last person left off, just like with a tag team monologue, right? So there's things like that. There's some great uh, rhyming uh, song games like doing um, uh, musical limericks or the song Gaston from Beauty and the Beast it, uh, has been turned into an improvised rhyming uh, singing game. How's that one go? That's uh, no one, whatever, like Gaston, no one, but like Gaston, no one, da 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 da, like Gaston, and all three of those things rhyme with each other, all those three lines I just sung. And then the next line is, um, like, uh, he says, I use antlers in all of my decorating. And it doesn't honor the whole full structure of the song, but like then you just everyone just sings "My what a guy that guest on," and so you could just repeat that cycle over and over. And so one person picks for the first line, no one eats like guest on, and then the next two people each have to do something that rhymes with eats, and then the fourth person's got to do something that ends with eating, like decorating, celebrating. And then everyone sings "My What a Guy That Gets Done," and you can do that as many times in a row as you feel like. So, oh, that, that, that one sounds cool. You also seem like you could even do it without an accompanist. Yeah, you totally could, and you could do musical limericks without an accompanist right. as as well. You can, and you could do them non musically. You could do just spoken lyrics and practice the rhyming. Uh, Beastie Boys is a great improv rhyming game that doesn't need an accompanist, so you're practicing rhyming skills and rhythm skills. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's definitely stuff you can do without an accompanist. And even if you and then if you have an accompanist, you do some of these other things pretty easy to do. So a couple of the classics, like on whose line is it anyway, they do the Irish drinking song and the hoedown, right? right. Uh, those, so, so all of those things, you, you can work on them for a long time and have a really good time and de develop a lot of skill and, 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 and it's fun and, and put them in front of a, an audience in a show. 
I think that's the best place to start because taking on improvising a whole song, totally doable. And, and like in the classes I teach about it, I really believe it's far more doable than when people come in the class and they're like, oh, this seems so magical. And then they walk, they walk out because of the, of the way I teach it. They're like, oh, I see. Someone just pulled back the curtain and revealed the Wizard of Oz. Now I get it. I know what the, the tricks are, right? But but that is still a, a big leap beyond these games, you know, having to improvise your own whole song or your own whole big sections of songs or something. So I think better to start with the games and then work your way toward improvising full songs collaboratively or in individually. Cool. All right, so let's... Let's talk about some long form now, then. Yeah. All right. So do you differentiate between doing long form musical improv and doing an improvised musical? I do, uh, for a couple of reasons. And I think it's easiest to think about, like, if, if, like, if we think just non-musically, what's the difference between long form and short form improv, right? Well, long form means some very different things, right? For... For some people, long form means one very long narrative that may last for 15 minutes, a half hour, an hour, two hours, right? That's long form. A right. single long, you know, mini play, one, whether a one act or two act, whatever, right? And then, then there are a lot of things that we consider long form, like Armando's and Harold's and things like that, that are more like montages of small things, Right. Which which may have some relationship to each other, but don't all come together as one single narrative, right? Right. So the same thing with music. You could do a musical Armando or a musical any kind of montage-like form. And, well, you know, is it a musical? There are musical reviews where there's a theme and the songs are, you know, kind of revolve around that theme. And... And, and we could say, oh, that's a musical. And if a, a theater company were scheduling their season, they might put it on the season and say, oh, that's the musical we're doing at this time. But it's not a musical in the sense of what we usually think of when we think of a musical as one long story that has songs in it, right? And then by the same token, you can do a five-minute musical. You can do a ten-minute musical. So is that long form or is that short form, right? You right. can do a whole story that has multiple songs in just a few minutes, right? So I think, yeah, there's all these different combinations are, are, are possible. Definitely. Well, so I guess, like, what about, um, like, a narrative, long-form narrative, but that isn't necessarily in the genre of... Like, I wonder if you think of when you're doing a music, when you're doing an improvised musical, if that is... If, if you think of that more as doing, a, a, doing genre work as opposed to just, we're going to tell a story, but we're going to sing instead of... That's a really talk. good question, and I think it just depends on the night. Uh, that I, I, I don't think of musical as a genre. I think of musical as a form. Right. You know, there are rock musicals, and even a rock musical... Uh, you know, well, that's a musical genre, but you could have a rock romantic musical. You could have a rock horror musical. You know, the genre is something very different from 
uh, narrative form, theatrical form, and from musical form or musical genre, right? Um, so, you know, if, if uh, we had a, a haunted house story on deck to make a musical out of, I would think of that as, oh, we're doing a horror musical, and I will probably want to give a lot of musical offers as if it were uh, a horror movie, you know, a really dramatic, uh, scary, sad, angry, you know, negative emotions. And, and it would be great if the actors would play to horror tropes just as if we were doing an improvised horror play that wasn't musical, right? Right. But if the offer on hand happens to be uh, a story that doesn't have an obvious genre to it, you know, like a stereotypical one, it's like, okay, well, well, we would improvise with this if we weren't doing a musical, so we'll improvise with this and we'll make it a musical. And and the choices of of narrative uh, structuring that the that the actors do, well, I don't know. We'll we'll see what it turns out to be. And then the same with me, musically. Usually, usually if it's something like that kind of situation, I'll default to a kind of very general, broad based pop music, right? And and when I say that, I mean it could go anywhere from something that's more of a swingy thing you might have heard in a in a 40s musical to uh, a pop song from now. You know a good example is like uh the musical Wicked. Wicked right. w- Wicked has a couple of songs like The Wizard Sings that are very old-fashioned sounding, right? And then some of the other songs are are very intense and some of them are very like contemporary pop, right? So I think that's a good example of how you can you can do a musical and have both the narrative and even the musical score itself compositionally not have to really be in in any one particular genre and it's fine yeah i guess i guess my question really stemmed from so i do um, musical improv with at the providence improv guild yeah and then i've seen the musical improv at ucb and stuff and then when i started doing the the improvised Broadway musical here, uh, we, we started really focusing on kind of tropes and styles of the musicals, yeah. which we which before we never did at all. It was just literally like, yeah, we weren't playing up those things. Sure. I don't really know what exactly the, the I, question is. Just I think that's great. It's great to do. I think the it's it's just like non musical improv. It's it's great if you are a an improvising actor slash writer slash director, right? It's great to have broad based cultural knowledge, right? Because you never know what's going to come up, and it's the same thing doing musicals. It's great to have broad based knowledge of musical theater because you never know what trope that you might want to draw on, what genre you might want to play with that'll be appropriate for a story that'll be fun to do, you know? Or that might not be obviously appropriate for a story that you might say, oh, we're going to do a, I don't know, a, a rock musical about a farmer in the Midwest, right? And it's not a farmer who wants to be a rock star. It's just a very rural story, right? But maybe, maybe you feel like doing a rock opera about that because the emotion and the drama, right? Well, so that would be a completely atypical choice. But yeah, would it be great to be able to draw on rock opera as a genre? 
Sure. But I think the thing is, it's it would be like if, if you want to do a full-length improvised play, and if it, uh, unless you have a specific kind of play in mind, like you're doing an improvised murder mystery or an improvised farce, well, th that inherently is genre work, right? But if you're just uh, going to do, well, improvised play, and we don't know what it is, right? right? And, it's, yeah. and it's devoid of genre, would you think that the first thing a group would do would be to think about a, a, about 20 different main play genres and try to practice them? I tend to think probably not. I would think that a group doing right. that would probably want to uh, be thinking more generally about narrative structure and character and conflict because those things will apply no matter what the genre, right? And so I, I would tend to think the same thing about about musicals that, I mean, it's it's a little different because on some level, the music, the musical form is sort of genre-like and it has its right. own yeah. tropes, right? But like, so like, a, a, an I want song is a very big trope in, in musical theater, right? Right. And, so, and even opening numbers where you're establishing opening, the yeah. environment and everyone's... That, that's right, that's right. And that, to me, is not genre. That's form. Right? So I think, yeah, practice your I want songs. Yeah, practice your opening numbers. Yeah, practice stuff like that because you're practicing the form of musical theater. And is that going to be a rock musical? Is it going to be a pop musical? Is it going to be a Cole Porter sounding musical? Is it going to be a Sondheim sounding musical? Uh, is it going to be a buddy musical? Is it going to be a romance musical? I don't know. I don't know. To me, those are genres, I see. right? And and opening number, I want song, uh, things like that. That's form in a that to me is is separate from genre. I don't know. We we maybe we call it the musical theater genre, and if you want to call it that, that's fine. And I just think it's worth like like saying, okay, great, that's that, and that is even if we're using the word genre, is something different from whether it's a horror musical or a romantic musical or a romantic comedy or, a, you know, a, a farcical musical, right? And I think that that's, that's where, um, you know, whatever it might have seemed like if there was like a conflict between what we were saying, you know, or like, that, I think that's what helps it go away. Yeah. You know, that to realize that there's a musical form to practice where here are things unique to musical form the same way that if you were doing a non-musical full-length play, uh, you know, dramatic conflict, characters, you know, what, 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 whatever, uh, whatever things, aspects you would work on with that, here are the musical aspects of, of form. Absolutely, 100% are the top priority for, to be working on for a group wanting to do a, a full-length improvised musical. And then worry about real genre work of different, you know, moods and styles and musical styles and types of stories, th that that's separate and that can come later or, you know, opportunistically or whatever. Cool. So what other, so I guess going back to the same type of question of someone, a, a group that wanted to start doing long form musical. Yeah. What are like, what advice and what tips <laughs> would you yeah. give, would you give them? I think you want to be, good at improvising in the first place non-musically. 
I think you want to be good at improvising long-form narrative in the first place, non-musically. Right. I think you want to be good at improvising songs in themselves uh, as, as, as separate little fun things to do without them having to be inside a, a narrative, inside a scene. Right? You want to... Right. Like, these are all the components that make up a musical, right? So, like, get good at all of them. First, right? Or, you know, maybe not first, but, but you know, bef but you're going to want to be good at those components because that's what makes up the musical, right? Right. And and then, it, 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 you know, with, with those separate skills developed, then, yeah, musical form is its own unique narrative form. It has its own... Uh, unique uh, tropes and and structuring elements and and such, uh, not all of which people agree about any more than with like a non musical play, right? Oh, what's what's the archetypal structure, right? People people have their different opinions, and you know your group can have their own opinion about that. But th I think that's like that's the last thing that after you do all these separate uh, separate components that you could do if you were doing something other than a musical, then yeah, work on musical theater form and then go for it, right? But you'd say, you'd say focus on learning the basics. Right. Uh, not long before I started uh, working with Mop and Bucket Company as a musical director for improv theater, I uh, switched my work as a piano teacher from part-time to full-time when I and I, when I trained uh, with a particular non-traditional piano method called Simply Music. And one of the big tenets of Simply Music is that if there's something you're going to do and it's and it's hard to do, break it down and work each piece of it separately. And if it's time to put together pieces, put together a couple of the pieces and work them together because sort of like the glue that puts those pieces together is like its own separate piece, right? So you do that and there's different little bits of glue between all the different pieces. So like you practice each of them and like, and then, and then you put them all together and you practice that. And so, yeah, the, I, that, that hugely informed when I got into doing musical direction for improv theater I quickly realized, oh, wow, I think I have some stuff that would be valuable for me to teach, even though I was learning this from them because they'd done it before and they'd been doing improvised full-length musicals and other improvised musical uh, work, you know, songs and whatever. I quickly realized, oh, I think I, think I see opportunities. You could be even better if you, if you did this and this and this and this. And so then I thought about, okay, how do I teach this and this and this and this? I'm going to break it down. We're going to work on the, the components and then we'll work on putting the components together and it works. And it's, it, I, I, I usually get really good feedback when I teach this stuff, uh, even from people who before they did it were like, oh, I'm so scared to do it. It seems so magical, right? And I, it's because I use, that's the approach I use. And so, yes. I believe in going to the basics, absolutely. And it's what's important is to identify, well, what are the basics? You know, if, if we're doing this new thing that's new for us, improvised full-length musical, what are the basics, right? 
and I think you could say that the improv that the basics are decent improv skills in general, full length narrative improv skills, and song skills. Those are uh, the improvised song skills. I th I think that's probably. I mean, you know, each of those is its own little world that has right. their own basics in it, right? So you figure out where you are with everything, and you and you and you work to where you're at. And then with those things set, then musical theater form is its own sort of final basic, right? Of like, oh, okay, now that we know how to do all those things that we need to know how to do in order to do an improvised musical, but we've been using them all for things other than an improvised musical. Okay, now what do we need to know in order to put them together as a musical? You could you could wing it, but or you could have some some studying, some opinion about musical theater structure, and figure out what of that do you want to work as an improviser, and ha and have those things in mind. And and so I think that becomes the final basic. Cool. So so you said you went in and they had already been doing it, and yeah, but, but you still you know saw all this all this room for improvement. So say you say there was a troupe that had already kind of covered those those three basics that. Yeah, we've just been talking about, and you know, having come into this experience place, what are some things that you think people who even may be doing musical improv, but yeah. some things, that some uh, things that you've noticed or helpful things that? That's a really good question. You mean if if they had all this background and and now they wanted to do an improvised full length musical, or they'd even been doing full length improvised musicals? Either or, I guess we can. Kind of cover both. That's a good question. Well, one one thing that that comes to mind is the question of what kind of format are are you doing as a full length improvised musical? Because there are uh, different ways that companies will do it. There there are companies out there that specifically improvise a Sondheim musical. There's companies out there that get a and ask real quickly right at the beginning and boom go into a a a full-length musical and they don't ask for anything else the full-length musical format we do is called spontaneous broadway i don't know if it was the first full-length musical improvised format but i think it was one of the early ones and and it's and it's pretty unique compared to other ones that I've heard because of how it works. And I, re I really love how it works. The, um, it was actually co-created by Kat Coppett, who's co-director of our company. She uh, created it in the 90s with people at Freestyle Rep uh, in, in New York City. The first act is a backers audition where pe people come into the theater and they write song titles on slips of paper. And uh, uh, someone playing a producer character is interacting with the audience, saying, "I need your help uh, picking what what musical or, or is my big Broadway production company gonna bring to Broadway for the next season? I have too many good choices. I need you to help me choose." And so then the actors and I uh, will uh, do a, a song from each of a whole bunch of different musicals based on the slip of paper suggestions. And at the end of Act One, the audience votes which one do they like best, and which one do they want to see the musical of. And so the winner is chosen, and we do that for Act Two. Act Two is is like a fifty-minute 
we still call it a full length musical in the in the world of improv. Fifty minutes is a right. is a yeah. is a full legit full length, yeah. <laughs> long form narrative, right? And so all of that is really cool and varied. One of the things that's great about the format, Cat um, uh, described that one thing they liked about it is that it gives everyone in the cast a chance to shine, even no matter what role they'll end up in the full length. You know, you might have a supporting role, you might have a small role, and right. maybe you don't even end up with a song, but everyone in Act One, like, Everyone gets a big number. Everyone gets at least one spotlight moment in, in Act One, and, and Act One includes duets and trios and full company numbers with dance breaks, so everyone in the cast gets to do a lot in Act One. Then whatever happens in Act Two happens in Act Two. Um, so it's a really cool format for you know all those reasons, and we reprise the the winning number, which is really interesting. Like <laughs> right, because right, you have to also remember it. Yeah, well, you know the the conceit is that when we when the winner is selected, it's. Uh, uh, we're going to take this show on the road and we're going to make it better. We're going to uh, put in some great new stuff and take out some bad stuff. Uh, the whole process will take several months, but it'll seem like 15 minutes to you. Right? So that's the joke. And that gets us off the hook of like having to completely 100% right, yeah, reproduce yeah. it. But we, we strive to reproduce it like pretty closely. Right. And, you know, the story could change in a way that maybe we need to change it. But... Um, one way or another, we always reprise the winning song and sometimes we do it fairly closely and there's something really cool about that, that, right, because it's improv, like, well, how can we remember the song from, you know, from an hour before and we've, we've improvised all these other songs and all this narrative between then and now, yeah, but somehow we do it. So like, that's cool. I like it. I love, I love the spontaneous Broadway format. And you know, not a lot of not a lot of not a groups do it, right? So, I think it's worth as a group if you're going to be doing a full length improvised musical, uh, you know, check out what what formats are out there, right? And you might like this one. A different group might like that one. And um, and it's always great to in, invent, right? You I mean, improv groups we're all always inventing our own formats, right? And it's great to know what's out there. Uh, so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel if you don't want to, right? Because there's been people who've put, put time and effort into studying musical theater structure and creating improvised forms based on it. Are there any other uh, structures that you, that, you're, that you really like? Or ask fors or openings? I'll tell you a couple of the things uh, uh, that, that I've really liked that, that we've done other than Spontaneous Broadway that are sort of long form musical. One thing that we've done is we'll ask, we'll, we'll, we'll tell the audience, okay, we're gonna improvise a musical and we want someone in the audience to take responsibility for um, that as we're uh, doing our narrative, anytime you think there needs to be a song, you shout out, that's, <laughs> that's, there should be a song there, or that sounds like a song. Uh, and that's it. Like so, then we start into our narrative, and we'll and and we only do songs when the audience member shouts out, uh, "Time for a song." That's we've done that anywhere from uh, something more like fifteen minutes to something more like forty, and that's it's it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. With that, there's there's not necessarily a lot of structure, 
and there's not necessarily as much opportunity to take advantage of musical theater tropes because if the audience member calls out for a song at a time that we wouldn't have otherwise done it, it's like, okay, well, it doesn't matter that this doesn't conform to some <laughs> musical theater trope. Right, yeah, the whole, the whole fun of it is justifying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's very freeing for, for us also, and, and a lot of fun. Another thing that we've done, and it is, it's not a, a full-length individual narrative. It's more like a musical review. We called it theme song, where we would get a topic, and um, it would be more montage-like, but not quite so, not, not so structured as a herald, not so uh, chaotic as an Armando. It would basically be like uh, one scene after another, and almost every scene we found a moment to do a song. So it was kind of like a whole bunch of little, little, little mini musicals, but all of them were built around this theme, right? And so when, when one scene's done, the next scene could be unrelated, or, you know, some of them might have had, had some relationship if the actors felt like it, but none of them had to. That's a really easy format to do. If you're, you know, because you don't have to do long-form narrative. You don't have to worry about musical theater structure per se. You're just like, okay, well, where's the moment in this scene that feels like there could be a song? Right? And so otherwise, you're just improvising scenes and you're improvising songs. But it's, it's, it was really satisfying. And you could do a full, you know, 45, 50 minute act on that. You could do a whole night on it, if you, two hours if you wanted to. We, we always would do like an act two with that. That's cool. That sounds like, a, like it might be a good example of a form when you're in between those steps of not, yeah. of not being able to do, not being. Definitely, definitely, definitely. You know, like I was saying about sort of like going one little step at a time, right? Learning the games first, I think, is great because they're the easiest. Then learning how to do a song but not worry about it being in a scene is great. Then learn how to put a song in a scene. Then the world is open to do any... Well, really, you could do any kind of long form, even a single narrative. You could do it at that point, right? And maybe you just don't... If you're doing a single long narrative, maybe you just don't worry about musical theater structure and and tropes, right? But you could do a long form narrative and put a put a bunch of songs in it, like the like I was saying before, where the audience calls it, right? But yeah, at that same time, once you've done songs in scenes, any long form uh, imp- improv format that you could think of, maybe uh, even not you know not ones without a single narrative through line, like what would stop you from putting songs in them, right? Nothing if you didn't want, right? Right, yeah, you could in theory do any yeah. any form. And we have we we've, we've done musical armandos. Uh so yeah, that that that's a that's a great next step if you're going to want sort of the easiest not the quickest path to doing uh uh you know, not the not the most direct path like, you know, what what gets us up on our feet? tomorrow doing a full-length improvised single narrative musical i don't know right but i i think it's like the path of least resistance in a way right is that you do have all these intermediary steps and you can be doing long-form musical theater improvisation pretty easily once you are a decent improviser who knows how to put a song in a scene it could take a lot of different shapes without it being a single 
big uh, uh, musical theater piece, right? So it sounds like you're kind of saying if you if you you know say you're a, a you're some long form montage group and you don't haven't done music before, yeah, you, you can just keep you can essentially just and you want to start doing music just. You can even keep doing the exact same form that you're doing. Completely. Just find ways to... Completely. Just, just do it that there has to be a song and Absolutely. Every scene or something. Well, and maybe there doesn't have to be one in every scene, right? But there could be. Right? There, there certainly could be. There could even be more than one song in a scene. If the scene were really satisfying and, and after one song you wanted to keep it going and didn't want to wipe and go to something new, fine, keep it going and... Who knows? Maybe there's then an opportunity for another song. But, you know, whatever flexibility you give or don't give for that, you can totally keep your existing long form and put songs in it in whatever way you want. And it could be the accompanist cueing the songs. It could be the actors cueing the songs. It could be the audience cueing the songs. It could be almost anything, yeah. So I think there's huge, huge opportunity there. And that's a, probably a great step on the way toward doing a genuine full-length improvised musical. Cool. So have you ever done, um, have you ever, has ever used like organic openers, like kind of where everyone will come out and, and either say a sound or you know, say a phrase or make a sound yeah. and then you just, it's kind of like the sounded movement opener that would be, you know. Like a herald opener. Yeah, we haven't done that so often. We've done uh, there. There was a uh, a long form musical format we were playing with that was very montagey, um, and and not not some specific format. You know that it, that it, it was that already exists, or that we were that was non-musical that existed and we were putting songs and we were trying to just invent something. And it was very montage and and freeform. Uh, and, and I think we did some of, uh, of that kind of thing uh, at the beginning. Uh, when we do a more substantial improvised musical and we want a big opening number, one of the types of improvised opening number that we'll do will have a, a bit of something like that, kind of like um, this, like, um, there are songs, like, I think, like, Who Will Buy from Oliver and the uh, the Act 2 opening of Sunday in the Park with George where, like, different characters have, like, here's my line and here's my line and here's my line and they all, like, repeat at different, uh, different uh, amounts of time and they all contrast. Some of them are high and some are low and some are are fast and some are slow and it creates this kind of tapestry, right? Um, we'll sometimes do an opening number that starts with that kind of thing and then it may also have some more traditional sung verses and we'll go back and forth between verses and the tapestry. Um, yeah, there's, there's, you know, I mean, you can, there's, there's so many possibilities, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's no limit. So another question I have that I just thought of is is editing and wiping yeah. musical scenes. Yeah. Because I feel like that's always, I feel like I always have trouble, trouble with that because mm -hmm. you're more, I feel like you're more reluctant to do a sweep or do a wipe when people are singing or a tag out when people are midline than you would be in a montage. Maybe. Maybe so. Um, I think that... Part of that has to do with um, 
what is the larger form that you're doing. I think if you're doing a a, a, a single long narrative that's a musical theater piece that's supposed to have complete songs, right? You maybe don't want to do that. You know, maybe right. that would be like contrary to the form, right? Because right, you wouldn't see that in an because you because you wouldn't see that uh, uh, typically or you know almost ever, right? But if you're doing an Armando or a Herald or some other kind uh, or you know like the theme song like we were like I was talking about before, we also have done something that it, we we have no great name for it. We've just called it our musical montage. Uh, the musical montage is, I guess you could say, kind of. Armando like in being very freeform in that and 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 associative and one thing just leads to another and they don't have to be related and one thing could be 10 seconds and the next thing could be a minute um so it's you know uh, Armando like in that sense um but but what we tend to do with it is have the accompanist cueing songs and wiping musically and part of what we want with that format is to keep things really high energy and moving. And so like our value around that is we're hardly ever looking for complete songs in that format. We're, we're content that when there's a laugh, it's time to wipe and go on to something else. And so whether it's the accompanist doing a musical wipe or someone else doing, doing a wipe on the stage, um, it's, it, we just feel it's, completely fine to wipe mid-song. Uh, sometimes we wipe in the middle of a song because the song's gotten boring and repetitive and isn't, isn't going anywhere. Sometimes we'll wipe just on a great funny lyric. Um, so I think it really depends on, on the larger form you're working in. You know, if wipes are appropriate in that form with music, uh, uh, without music, then they very well could be appropriate with music. Cool, yeah. The form, the form that we do, it's it's like it's it's structured like a montage and we always say that we don't like that we don't have to find a plot line but it always ends up just becoming narrative. yeah like people just always stay the same characters and we always just tie it together and do yeah narrative but it still does have edits yeah yeah I, so you could you could wipe songs in that uh, if you know i mean i think you'd want to you know maybe have a little talk among among the company about how you feel about that, and is is that something that you know you decide to just experiment with in rehearsal one night, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, maybe it's, you find you like it. It's something that's totally allowed, and like, and that we should be doing. But you're it's just reluctant. Just, it's just that I feel like everyone, no one wants to interrupt people while they're in the middle of a song, right? And then I also feel like when I get to the end of songs, a lot of the time I end up having to kind of like lead the other person off stage to cue the end of a scene, oh. rather than it having, yeah you know, getting wiped? I don't, you know, there's, there's seldom a right answer in improv, right? Yeah. My, my, my gut would be have a night where you rehearse that some night where you just all agree going in, we are going to wipe every song before it's done. Period. Every song has to be wiped before it's done. Right? That way you know you have permission. Not only have permission, you know you're actually failing in your responsibility if you don't wipe it. Right, and that way, everyone who's singing knows I am not going to get to the end of the song. Someone's gonna gonna wipe me in the middle, right? And just just do that so that you have permission to explore that possibility 
and see what it feels like. And you all might feel like, oh yeah, it was fine. It was a little little jarring, but but oh, it was, it was great. I was running out of ideas for that song anyway, right? Yeah, I feel like that is actually a cool exercise because it by forcing you to do it, it, it yeah. makes it not seem yeah anymore. Because I feel like that probably even takes getting used to even just in regular improv the fact that you can wiping the fact that you can edit people totally right because because you don't want to interrupt a scene right the same way you were just saying that you feel like you don't want to interrupt a, a song yeah right. i think you're totally right i think it's exactly parallel all right so let's see i uh, just have a few more questions anything you want sure all right yeah two two more general so the first one so say um Say, say there was a team that wanted to do musical, but they didn't have an accompanist. Yeah. Do you have any uh, any suggestions or anything that you've seen of how people have have done a cool job with that? Well, we talked before about how there are things you can do a cappella, right? And so, like, go for it. Don't wait for anything. Try those, right? Um, you can always get like karaoke tracks, right? And and just make up new words. They don't. You don't even need to think of it as making a parody of a song you know you can make up a whole new melody whole new topic it doesn't have to have anything to do with the original song it's just a backing track right just put like instrumental show tunes on shuffle instrument or... exactly just, cl classical music right anything any instrumental music you can find is something you could sing to and then there's your accompanist right now that's any any instrumental backing tracks of whatever kind aren't going to be responsive the way an accompanist is. Right. But it's but it's still that's uh, you know if 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 you don't have an accompanist and you want to do something other than a cappella, that's the obvious thing to do is find instrumental music, right? And so you can find karaoke tracks, you can use other instrumental stuff, classical music, film scores, you know what have you. You can uh find apps, apps that are meant for um arranging backing tracks. There, there are definitely there's a bunch of apps out there that do that, and, and you can you can get uh, files that other people have created. So like, boom, here it is. Or you can plug in a chord progression, just like type it in and say, do this in a Latin style, do this in a swing style. And That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So and 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 you can set it. Um, uh, you uh, and some of them you can set like, oh, here's a section, and it should repeat. Like, here's the verse, and here's the chorus, and we'll do a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus, and then another chorus, and we're done, right? So you could uh, give yourself a lot, of, a lot of very customized things to play with if you want. And then the other thing also, they've been around since decades ago, are, are different kinds of electronic keyboards that have automatic accompaniment Right yeah, features, yeah, yeah. right? Right, like in the seventies or like the those, or, those organ Yeah, keyboards. right. Like it was the organs with the, the, the two keyboards for like you had all sorts of rhythms and stuff that you could do with that. And then yeah, Casio became like almost synonymous with the, with that, right? Uh, and there's and even today, there are very expensive uh, keyboards that you can get that, uh, that include automatic accompaniment features and have tons of different rhythms and other accompaniment options in them. And um, you uh, and some of some of them have instrumental sort of backing tracks in there for you to play along with. But if you do even just the accompaniment thing, uh, it doesn't take a lot to learn. Say like C, F, and G, right? right? Are three chords that go together. And on this 
auto accompaniment keyboard, when we set it this way, all I have to do is press that one key, C, and off it goes. And it's going to do a groovy accompaniment in C until I hit F, and then you'd hit F. And, then, you know, and you could just make up a chord progression out of just C, F, and G with the accompaniment features, and, and, and you're good to go, right? So, so there are a lot of options, I think, for people who ha really have no accompanist. At the point you start pressing the C, F, and G, you sort of are the accompanist, yeah, though, right? <laughs> right? And maybe that's your first step toward actually learning how to do it. Who knows? Uh, so that's actually a good transition to the last question. So, so say you were already a musician, yeah. and you wanted to start doing improv accompaniment. Yeah. Um, well, first, do you think is there a different skill set or different things that you think you should learn if you're yeah. doing short form versus long form? Um, yes and no. I think all the skills you need for short form, form you also need for long form. And then depending on the format of long form, there may be other skills worth knowing. Like I said, I was an actor and I, in high school, and I've written a couple of musicals, not just the music, the, the lyrics and the book. And I've written a couple of screenplays. So I've, I've been a writer since I was, since I was uh, in, in elementary school. So I, I have a really strong interest in narrative um, and writing and character and psychology. And like all of those things help me greatly when we're doing, well, any improv that involves music, but especially a full-length improvised musical. Because like I... I all, all, all of that stuff informs the choices I make where, where I'm, cause I'm a fellow improviser helping craft the narrative, right? You know, the accompanist is another improviser. They're just doing something a little different from the others, just like the lighting person's another improviser. And all of that writing experience, uh, studying narrative, uh, studying and writing musical theater totally informs, uh, what I do above and beyond the actual musical skills that I have, performance skills. And that stuff is only relevant to the extent that it's relevant to the format that you're, that you're working with. Um, as far as sort of the basic skills, uh, it's kind of like right in what you, like your question. What do you need to be able to be an improvisational accompanist? You need to be good at improvisation and you need to be good at accompaniment. Like the, the, those are the two things and those are unique musical skills in themselves. You can be a good accompanist without knowing improvisation. And you can be a good musical instrumental improviser without being good at accompaniment. And so those are two... And you can be good at both of them without ever working in improv theater, right? So like the same conversation before about what are the basic building blocks, right? Get those two building blocks then start playing with them together on your own as a musician, then go, then get in a room with some actors and see what happens. Now, I'm not saying like you have to get perfect at any of that, right? At whatever level you're at, if you know four chords and if you can sort of plunk out, if you can plunk out a little rhythm on the piano, that could be totally enough to start you on your journey toward being an improvisational accompanist for, for improv theater. So I'm not saying like how good you have to be at any particular thing before you take whatever next step. I'm just kind of identifying the components, right? You want to be good at improvisational music. You want to be good at accompanying singers. 
And to whatever extent you're good at both of those, those are going to have some bearing on how good you are as an improv theater accompanist. So do you put a lot of, like, if you were teaching musical accompanying, accompaniment, would you, would you put a lot of emphasis on learning, um, like, stereotypes of genres? Like, this is, this is how to play a song that sounds like a Sinatra song. This is how to play a song that sounds like a blues song. Or a... It's a really great question. And I think it's the same thing, like I was saying before, about musical theater um, or improvising plays genre is such a fantastic thing to have in your skill set and it gives you so many more options of, uh, as an improviser. It gives you so many more options about what you as a company can do. So absolutely, that's something you're going to want to do. And it's something that builds, that itself builds on more basic skills. And I, and, and I think you can not worry about genre at first if that's not yet in your skill set and you want to develop sort of more generic ability to improvise in a company, great, do that because then you can at least get in a room with an improv group and start working together, you know? And then any genre work, you know, you want to... Uh, I mean, what, is it, what, do, what do improvisers do when they want to be able to improvise a film noir scene better? They go watch some film noir, Right. Yeah. So, like, that's just the choices that you make as improvisers, whether you're acting or whether you're a musician. That's just the choices you make about what additional research are you going to do so that you can bring that in and broaden your palette, right? Right. And it's great to broaden the palette. And I, I love musical genre work, and that's, that's one of the most fun things for me is being able to improvise in a lot of genres and being able, when there's... Uh, you know, and ask for the from the audience, or or, or uh, you know, whatever offer on stage, and and something clicks in my mind, like, oh, no one asked for a country song, but a country song would work really well for this, and I can do that. It's I love that I can draw on that, and I think just like with non musical stuff or with musical theater stuff, I think in in all those respects. Genre is a brilliant, amazing extra layer that shouldn't be considered one of the fundamentals. Because okay. you're going to do all the genre work, better, genre work better if you're good at the fundamentals of whatever the craft is. Whether it's just improv acting, whether it's improvising a musical theater piece, whether it's uh, as an accompanist improvising the accompaniment for a song. Uh, I... I, I I think genre always going to build on whatever the fundamentals of each individual craft might be. All right. Awesome. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Just making sure. Cause I'm happy. It's been a fun conversation. You've been listening to Improv Town. If you enjoyed this episode, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're in the Rhode Island area, don't forget to check out all the great local improv. Pig, the Providence Improv Guild, has shows every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 8. The Contemporary Theater down in Wakefield is currently doing Maestro Improv at 9.30 on Fridays and Theater Sports at 9.30 on Saturdays. The Bit Players do Shore Form down in Newport every Friday and Saturday night at the Firehouse Theater, and that's BYOB, so that's always fun. You can also check out Improv Jones, Rhode Island's longest-running improv show, on the first Saturday of every month. That's down at the uh, AS220 Black Box in Providence. 
Last but not least, there's a new improv theater in town, Wage House, which has shows every Friday night at 8 in Pawtucket. And many of these theaters also offer great improv classes, so don't forget to check those out as well. I'm sure Google can help you find everything you need. See you next time.